Grab your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter number six. Daniel chapter number six. We've been in this series for, let's say, six weeks. And we've entitled this series, When Kingdoms Collide. And we're going to see clearly an example of that collision here in Daniel chapter number six. We'll read the entire chapter because it is when we read the word of God and hear the word of God that we hear the voice of God. This is truth, infallible and inerrant. Let's stand, as it is our custom, in honor and reverence to God's holy word. Daniel chapter number six, if you don't have a copy of God's word, there may be some somewhere around you in the bottom of the seats. Um, if not, we'll have it on the screen for you where you can follow along as well. Daniel chapter six, beginning with verse number one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we should not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, 
Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet. And with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in, went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel! Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The word of the Lord be to God. You may have your seat. Our text opens, first of all, with this plot against Daniel, a plot against Daniel. We find out that there, the, the chapter opens under the reign of Darius the Mede, 
Darius is organizing his kingdom in Babylon. He sets over certain areas, 120 satraps. Immediately we learn that Daniel has once again found favor with another king. We see this clearly in verse 3 that says Daniel was distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. From chapter 1, we learn that this excellent spirit was given to Daniel by his God. Daniel is God's man. He is favored by God. What we learn, however, is that with favor comes envy. Verse 4 says, Then the high officials in the satrap sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. We see here clearly that these satraps are clearly envious of Daniel's favor with the king and his planned promotion to prime minister in the kingdom. Question is, why are they so envious? I'm glad you asked. Remember, Daniel is an outsider. He's an exile, a foreigner. He's not one of them. And now these satraps and high officials are going to have to submit to the authority of a foreigner. He has been chosen over the natives of Media and Persia. And so as a result of their envy, they make a plot, a scheme against Daniel. Look at the second half of verse 4, which says, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Verse 5 says, Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Look at the problem of their plot. They can't find any legitimate charges against Daniel because he's faithful and faultless. They realize that the only way they can make any complaint against Daniel is in connection with the law of his God. And so what happens is, they, they, the plot is, they're going to devise this scheme where they pit the law of God against the law of the land. And so what happens is, they devise this conspiracy against Daniel. And, and, and I think the term conspiracy is the right term because the narrator goes out of his way to say that these men who are against Daniel, they all came together by agreement. On four different occasions in this chapter, it says the men came by agreement or they agreed. That word for agreement means to conspire or to gather as a mob. They conspire to get the king to sign an executive order that no prayer can be made to any god or man except the king for a period of 30 days. That's the plot. What are we to learn from this plot? 
find it amazing that it is the world that observes Daniel's character and they conclude that they can't find any fault in his character. He's blameless in his character. He's blameless in his conduct. And so so the question that I have for you and I this morning is, would the world be able to come to this conclusion about our character? Would the world say about us that there is no ground for complaint or any fault because we are faithful? My question to you, men and women, this morning is, has your commitment to God affected your character and conduct in the world? That's the plot against Daniel. Now let's look at the price of his devotion. Verses 10 through 18. Given this new injunction, this executive order, to not pray to anyone except the king, what will Daniel do? We find the answer to that question here in this section. Verse 10 says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, I want to help us here because when we read the first part of verse 10, the text says when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went and started praying. We are tempted to think that Daniel is thorn in their face that he's going to pray regardless of this injunction. But I think the narrator is doing something differently there. I think he's highlighting the consistency of Daniel's prayer life even in the midst of this corrupt injunction. Daniel had a consistent life. He would pray towards Jerusalem three times a day. So given the choice now of obeying the law of God or obeying the law of man, what would Daniel do? And the text teaches us that Daniel chooses to obey the law of God rather than the law of man. We, now we know that every choice has a consequence. Daniel has to face a consequence for the choice he made to obey God rather than man. And that consequence is that he will be thrown into the den of lions for disobeying the king. We see here clearly that there is a price, a cost for our devotion to God. This is is not unique to the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we, we learn that there is a cost for our commitment to Christ. Look, this is what Jesus said, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. He said, the text says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever should save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? 
For what can a man give in return for his own soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so here's the, another question for us this morning. Are we willing and ready to pay the cost of following Christ? See, see, Jesus teaches us that the cost of discipleship involves suffering and shame and denying and severing of relationships, even death. And my concern, beloved, is that the ch for the church here in America, I'm concerned that we've forgotten the cost of discipleship. We have a lot of Christians today who, would pref who prefer and pursue convenience, safety, and comfort over sacrifice, denial, and even losing relationships. We have become too cozy in Babylon. And we forgot that the call to discipleship is to come and die. There's a price. There's a cause. Are you living a life just of convenience and comfort and safety? Or are you risking it for the cause of Christ? Preacher Brandon, I'm doing my best. Back to our story. Daniel, the price, the cost of his commitment to God is that he's thrown into the den of lions. So as we read this story, the question is, what will happen to Daniel? So thirdly, we see now the protection of Daniel, verses 19 through 24. Look at verse 19. It says, then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lion's den? This king, we find out, is for Daniel. He runs to this pit, hoping that Daniel is still alive. And from the pit, Daniel says, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. And notice the reason that Daniel, that, that's given in verse number 22. It was because I was found blameless before him, that's God, and I have done no harm. Look clearly, church, God protected Daniel. God delivered Daniel. God saved Daniel. God vindicated Daniel. That word vindicated, it means to be cleared from accusation and charges. And see, I'm convinced, this is free, I won't charge you for this. Beloved, I'm convinced that we've got to learn, what we learn here from Daniel is that we've got to let the Lord fight our battles. He takes care of his own. But there's a greater lesson to learn from this section. Look at verse 23. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Here it is. Because he had trusted in his God. Here's the lesson for us. God is able to save from death all those who trust in him. God is able to save from death all those who trust in him. And beloved, this is a timeless truth. 
That's what we call a theological truth. I know you're sitting there, but Brandon, does God save everyone from death even now? Because we know of martyrs, people who have died because of their faith. Oh, what makes this timeless is not just this being referred to physical death, but we're also referring to spiritual death. God may not save in this life and in this world, but he will eventually save in, the, uh, in eternal life. Jesus, and he now saves through his son, Jesus Christ. If you really look at the events of this chapter, we can see that Jesus had a Daniel 6 type experience. Let me show it to you. Like Daniel, men plotted to arrest and kill Jesus, yet they could find no fault in him. The ruler, Pilate, could also find no fault in him. Like King Darius, Pilate gave in to the will of the people and delivered Jesus to be crucified. And Jesus suffered the consequences. He was sentenced to death and crucified on the cross. Like Daniel, Jesus was thrown into the pit of the earth, the tomb, which was sealed with the stone. And three days later, an angel, just like an angel showed up and, 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 and shut the lion's mouth, an angel showed up at the tomb and declared that Christ was not there. He has risen. Now, the big difference, though, there's a huge difference between Jesus and Daniel, and it's this. Jesus was not delivered from death. However, we can say that Jesus was delivered through death because he got up Sunday morning with all power in his hand. And so the question is, why did Christ die? Why was Christ buried and why did Christ rise from the grave on the third day? Jesus died so that we could be delivered from our sins. Jesus died so that we would be saved from the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And that is the greatest need of every man that walks planet earth. It is to be forgiven of our sins. So through Jesus, God delivers from death all those who trust in his son, Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and rose on the third day. And so now, as we go back to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is taken out of the lion's den. And so now the king makes a, a new decree. And so finally, we see the proclamation of this decree in verses 25 through 28. We learned that Darius makes a decree that all people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. When the text talks about people of every language and every nation, all it's meant to say is this is a universal decree. Everybody in the universe is decreed to fear the God of Daniel. Why? The king says because he's the living God. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. And beloved, what we see in this decree is actually the point of the entire book of Daniel. There, there is something in music, you all know I'm a musician, and so there's something in, in music that we call the melody. The melody is the, the part of the song that everybody knows. 
So I can go doom, 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 doom. What am I humming? Yeah, because you know, hush, that is not the ABCs. You know Twinkle Twinkle because you know the melody. Now if I went dun, 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 dun. Some of you would know that, but you wouldn't know it because that's called the harmony. But we like the melody. It's what everybody knows. And so there's a melody in Daniel. If you read closely in Daniel, there's a melody. And here's the melody, that God is the sovereign king and his kingdom will last forever. That's the melody of the book of Daniel. And that's what we see here in this decree. That God is king of kings and his kingdom will last forever. And God clearly displays his rule here through delivering Daniel from death. Beloved, that is what God has done, is doing, will always do. He displays his rule through saving his people from sin, Satan, and death. And his rule is forever. And beloved, the good news is that God's rule will be clearly on display at the end of time when Satan and all of his angels will be thrown into a pit and the people of God will reign with Christ forever. And just like King Darius gave a universal mandate, so now, Our king has given us a universal mandate. Go and make disciples of all nations, universal. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is our universal mandate. To know God and to make him known. For all people to know that God is king. And that God rules forever and ever. Look what happens. This is so good. At the, here's, there's a lot to like about the very last verse of Daniel chapter 6. Verse 28. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel is God's man. God is doing his work in Babylon through Daniel. And Daniel, Daniel 6 says, he prospered through Darius and Cyrus the Persian. Why is that significant? Because if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, there was another king who was all-powerful, and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was there even when King Nebuchadnezzar was in power. But guess what? Nebuchadnezzar died. And guess who was still standing? God's man. Then Belshazzar came on the scene, and he thought he was the bee's knees. Did I say that right? Sure. He thought he was all that and then some. And guess what? He died, but guess who was still standing? God's man. Darius shows up on the scene. And guess what happens? Daniel is still there. Guess what? Nebuchadnezzar's reign, it came to an end. Belshazzar reign, it came to an end. 
Darius' reign, it came to an end. But guess who was still on the throne through all of that? God was. Somebody needs to hear right now. This is going to come to an end. This shall not always be. God will still be on the throne. And if he's on the throne, he's still saving. If he's on the throne, he's still delivering. If he's on the throne, he's still making a way. If he's on the throne, he's still protecting. If he's on the throne, he's still beating our enemies. If he's still on the throne. Oh, I wish I had a church this morning. Pentecostals would have been done, tore this place up by now. Because our God reigns, church, forever. And ever. How then do we respond? First of all, there's someone in this room or on this stream who needs to respond by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king who reigns forever. And this king rules not just by might or power, but he rules differently. This king rules by by dying on the cross for the sin of the world so that we might be forgiven of our sins. And so the response for someone this morning is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put all of your trust in Jesus alone. Stop trusting and being a good person. Stop trusting and doing good works. You could never be good enough to meet God's holy standard. So somebody needs to respond by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a word about trust for those of us who are believers as well. The text says Daniel was delivered because he trusted in his God. In the midst of trial, tribulation, temptation, and challenges, will you keep trusting in your God? And so this is a call to great faith in a great God. Thirdly, Daniel exemplifies for us faithfulness. Daniel here is in the middle between the law of the land and the law of God, and these two kingdoms collide. And Daniel stands and is committed to God, even when those two collide are in in conflict. And we, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, in the book of Revelation, the people of God are called to be faithful even unto death. And that's the type of faithfulness we are called to. That's the type of faithfulness that is required of followers of Christ, of faithfulness even unto death. Is that you, my brother, my sister? Are you willing to give your life for the cause of Christ? And that's what we have to ask ourselves in the coming days as we reflect on this word. How faithful am I? I think some of us, we don't even have to go to the point of death. How faithful am I 
and just been a follower of Christ? How faithful am I in raising up my children to be followers of Christ? How, ooh, let me see if I can make somebody real mad. How faithful am I in being a church member? This is a wake-up call to faithfulness for the people of God. Worship team, you can come back now. Our God rules, our God reigns forever and ever. Kings and kingdoms will come, kings and kingdoms will pass away. So don't put our hope in kings and kingdoms. Put our hope in the God who rules forever and ever. We display our hope in this God by trusting in him for salvation, by continuing to trust in him every day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you.